Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to Star Wars Bookworms. Enjoy. Even men like Talon Card occasionally make mistakes. This is the Chimera. Launch the attack. Time to go to work. You won't let me get killed, will you? Is that what I was supposed to be doing here? I should have brought my lightsaber. Double vision. No. Hands to keyboard. Microphone to face. Oh, dude, no. (laughs) I wonder what book we're covering today. Could it be? Finally getting to Thrawn Alliances. Finally getting Thrawn Alliances. But guess what? For realsies. What? what? I got an iPhone XS Max. Oh, wow. I'm not saying I'm rich, guys. That's not what I'm saying. The newest what I'm saying and is, the biggest. What I'm saying is that I am paying monthly payment for the rest of my life yeah. to, to, to buy this phone. Uh, but it had been two years since I got an upgrade, so I got an upgrade. Nice. How do you like it so far? I like it. Uh, except for you haven't shared any iPhone X secrets with me. I don't know if you're trying to keep them for yourself, but it's pretty cool. I do like it. Yeah, I'm keeping them to myself. I just wanted to know the good things about the iPhone X, and you're, like, not sharing. I don't know. Like, I just feel like it's a bigger, cooler iPhone, but I didn't, I mean, all the, the gesture stuff and all that, I mean, you got to kind of learn that on your own. No, but I don't know what they... <laughs> I don't know what it means. And you're like a uh, gamer. You like to buy like games to play on your phone, which I don't really do that. So I don't have any I mean, tips for that. I play things like Emoji Blitz and Mario Run. <laughs> I can't. Oh, Mario Run you know, is cool though. No, but you know what? I don't really play a whole lot of phone games anymore because I bought a Nintendo Switch. And Wow, I you're just telling us about all the cool that. new I know, stuff you bought. But see, I haven't talked to you in a while, or to our listeners in a while. Yeah, I decided to get a Nintendo Switch because I teach at a high school, and it's a really cool system to have because it's almost like a portable game system slash console. Well, that is what it is. It's exactly it's what almost it is. Like that's exactly what it is. And you can take the controllers off and play multiplayer and, like, just set up the screen. So I let the kids play Mario Kart and stuff or they want to play me. And then I can bring it home and I can put it in the console and play on my TV. Or if I'm playing on the TV and my husband wants to watch TV, I can just go stick the controllers back on it and pick it up and continue right where I left off. So it's got a lot of cool features to it. And it's fun. Super fun. I mean, who doesn't want to play Mario Kart? For real. Yeah, I've thought about getting one just for the Mario aspect. I miss Mario games because the last time I had a Nintendo console was the Wii. Yeah, I sold my Wii. I sold my Wii and all of my Wii games for a little over $100 and bought Switch stuff. I'm just waiting for the next big Star Wars title. That'll probably get me to get back into gaming a little bit. Eh, it's hard on a console, you know, because you have to actually be at home. And when are we ever home? (laughs) Right. Always doing stuff. Speaking of not being at home, I'm actually going to New York Comic Con next week. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you and the NYCC. Yeah. Yes, I'm going to NYCC, taking the train up from Philly to New York. And I'm excited. There's actually some really good content going on there. You know, obviously the other fandoms I'm into... Things like Doctor Who, there's a ton of cool Doctor Who stuff going on, but there is good Star Wars stuff going on too. Yeah, by the way, you have to let me know stuff about Doctor Who because I'm excited. I'm excited for the new Doctor way more than I was for the last one. And uh, also, since the show's getting ready to start, the Her Universe collection for it is actually finally coming out. So I'm really pumped because it's still not out. I don't know if there's any her universe presence at New York Comic Con. She's gonna be Is there. She? She's okay. gonna be there. I I don't know exactly what she's doing, but I know she will be there. And by her, we mean Ashley Eckstein. Yes, Ashley. <laughs> that's, who, that's who we're talking about. Which yeah. So hopefully I'll bump into her, and if she has a booth, I can check out the stuff. But they are doing. A oh, and you're gonna buy me stuff. But yeah, do you need? Give me a list. What do you need? All right, I'll give you a whole list All of right. the things that I need. Thanks. I'll make sure I bring a big bag. Sounds good. But yeah, it's it, not like you're checking baggage. You can, you can just take it all back with you. <laughs> yeah, so 
But yeah, so there is there is actually some Star Wars books content. And New York Comic Con tends to be a good con for Star Wars publishers, more so than a lot of the other cons. So because, you know, Del Rey is actually up in New York, it makes more sense for them to kind of go to that con and have a big presence there. And some of the other publishers are up there as well. So there's actually a, a handful of good panels that are related to books. I know we had talked about the um, the Star Wars Women of the Galaxy book that's coming out by Amy Ratcliffe. So excited for that. Which, which we're excited for. And we're excited for Amy that she got to write that book. And they're actually having um, two panels that she's on. They're doing one that's specifically just about her book. Um, and then they're also doing another panel that's about uh, female writers in a galaxy far, far away. Which includes her, Katie Cook, um, who else? Mer Lafferty, Delilah Dawson. Delilah Dawson. So um, Justina Ireland. So yeah, so there's a, a great list there of, of authors that are going to be there. So they have those two panels that are going on at New York Comic Con. And then they're doing another one that's a Disney Lucasfilm publishing. Kind of, they always do that panel, which is, which is both, um, you know, they cover everything from Del Rey to Disney publishing to Marvel. They kind of throw it all into one panel. Mm-hmm. So there's, who knows? We might get some announcements out of there, but there's definitely going to be a lot of, a lot of authors that are going to be at New York Comic Con um, that are Star Wars writers. So. Okay, so I did find this uh, about Ashley. She, You can meet her at the Tops booth, t- booth number 454, on Friday, 10-5 at 10 a.m. for a special free Star Wars Authentics autograph signing. The first 50 fans um, for the first 50 fans. So it's not going to be uh, like a big deal. It doesn't. She's not saying if she's doing anything else, but she's doing a Tops booth signing. There is also a lot of cool Star Wars stuff going on at New York Comic Con. So yeah. we have these panels. Um, I would definitely recommend anyone that is going to be going to New York Comic Con to look it up. Look up the schedule and find these panels so you can find the exact locations and times and all of that. But um, there's some cool panels. There's going to be the Delray booth. It's always really awesome. They have signings. The authors have signings there. So, yeah, it'll be it'll be definitely be a good event for uh, Star Wars readers. Yeah, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of our friends are there, and you'll get to see them, and I will get to sit here not seeing anyone. You can... <laughs> <laughs> Let's make everybody feel sorry for It's me. definitely sad that you cannot join me. Um, yeah. We would yeah, have a great time. New job. Can't do anything except work. You know, that kind of thing. But we'll, I mean, you know, Instagram, Facebook pictures. Twitter. That doesn't help. That just like, makes it worse. It makes it worse. <laughs> I'm just not going to look at social media. Just I'll just pretend me. it's not even happening. <laughs> That'll be the easiest way to go about things, I think. Uh, but yeah, so I'm pretty sure Timothy Zahn will probably be there. He usually is. Yeah, actually, I'm not sure if he's going to be know? there. Do we even know? Do we have may- a list from Del Rey of... It, Who's going to be there? Or? There may be a list out there. I didn't look it up. Um, I was just kind of looking at the panels, and I, I didn't see his name pop up on any of the panels. But, um, but yeah, I'm not. It would make sense for him to be there. It would. It yes. Sure, sure would. Yes, I didn't do my I due diligence. I didn't look up a list of that. authors. Where would that even be if you were looking? Well, sometimes that? they'll do like a StarWars.com kind of release, like, "Hey, everything to look for at New York Comic Con." I never saw anything like that come out. Well, um, there's still another week, so... Yeah, there might be more info to come out. I know they just announced, like, new panels are still getting announced as we speak, so the, everything's not set in stone. The The big Doctor Who panel just got announced yesterday. Oh, yeah, so we probably don't know so yet. So there may but... not be a, an official list out there yet. I mean, I'm sure you could do some digging and find out, but we'll keep everybody updated. We'll tweet it out when, when the news breaks. Yes. True. But for now, we're going to talk about a Star Wars book written by Timothy Zahn. We are. It is called Double Vision. Double Vision. They they should have named it Double Vision. They should have. So why don't you talk a little bit about Dragon Con? Because you were there, and this book got talked about a little bit uh, before we dive into it. Yeah, I was I was at Dragon Con a few weeks back, and Timothy Zahn was kind of a featured author there. He he tends to go to Dragon Con and 
there's Dragon Con has like their favorite authors that they invite back all the time and they give full panels to and I think there was like three different panels that were focused on or that Timothy Zahn was on at least and there was one that was just about him so obviously this being the most recent thing that he wrote there was a lot of questions about this book and he did answer a lot of questions it kind of gives some insight people were speculating what certain things in the book meant and he kind of gave a little bit of insight to the different things so it was it was pretty interesting I I feel like I could like pepper in some things as we're talking through the book as, Mm. you know, as it's related to what we're talking about. Um, He didn't have any major reveals, but the one thing that I did think was funny as we joke around about the double vision thing is that he did ask kind of like out to the audience at one point because somebody had brought up him using that. And he was like, yeah, I didn't, you know, I kind of was thinking if I should use it or not, but then I didn't know if it was gonna be distracting. But what did you guys think? Did Did you guys mind it? And pretty much the whole audience was like, oh, no, it was good. I was like, I don't think anybody in the audience is going to tell Timothy Zahn they didn't like it. <laughs> you have to be pretty bold. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, we hated it, Tim. So I I actually didn't like it that much, but we can talk about it as we talk about the book. But I, I thought that was kind of a funny interaction. Yeah, I do think that is funny. Okay, so we let's jump into it. We're going to talk about Thrawn Alliances. The publisher is Del Rey, author Timothy Zahn, and it was released July 24th, 2018. Is that right? Yep. Huh. I thought it was, I don't know why. Hmm, weird. Okay, publisher summary, me or you? I'll do it. You Unless do you it? want to. You like I'll- doing it. I do like it. I feel like when I do it, I take it away from you. You do. Okay, you, you do it. it away. All right, ready? Yep. Here we go. The publisher's summary is as follows. Grand Admiral Thrawn and Darth Vader ally against a threat to the Empire in this new novel from best-selling author Timothy Zahn. I have sensed a disturbance in the Force. That's my my voice acting. That's terrible. Uh, ominous words under any circumstances, but all the more so when uttered by Emperor Palpatine. Um, Batu at the... <laughs> Batu. <laughs> I can't. That planet name, Aaron. We got to get over whatever. that because that's, that's just, a thing I, that's going to be I around never, for a while. I'm never going to be able to. You're going to be, be walking okay through Galaxy's Edge Batu. at Disney World. I'm going to be like, you have a to yourself the entire time. You have a Batu. And you. <laughs> be like, get off your Batu. Get off your Batu. Let's go. <laughs> All right. At the edges of the unknown regions, a threat to the Empire is taking root. Its existence, little more than a glimmer, is its consequences as yet unknowable. But it is troubling enough to the Imperial leader to warrant investigation by his most powerful agents, ruthless enforcer Lord Darth Vader and brilliant strategist Grand Admiral Thrawn. Fierce rivals for the Emperor's favor and outspoken adversaries on Imperial affairs, including the Death Star Project, the formidable pair seem unlikely partners for such a crucial mission. But the Emperor knows it's not the very it's not the first time Vader and Thrawn have joined forces, and there's more behind his royal command than either man suspects. Can you really call Vader a man if he's He's more machine than man? Well, that's what I'm saying, Mm -hmm. so I'm not sure if he can or not. In what seems like a lifetime ago, General Anakin Skywalker of the Galactic Republic and Commander Thrawn. (laughs) It actually has his whole name. Uh, Mithron Nerodo. Mithron Nerodo. Mithron Nerodo. Mithron Nerodo, officer of the Chiss Ascendancy, crossed paths for the first time. One on a desperate personal quest and the other with motives unknown and undisclosed. But facing a gauntlet of dangers on a far-flung world, they forged an uneasy alliance, neither remotely aware of what their... This is hard when you haven't done it in a while. Of what their futures held in store. Now thrust together once more, they find themselves bound again for the planet where they once fought side by side. There they will be doubly challenged by a test of their allegiance to the Empire and an enemy that threatens even their combined might. That was terrible. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that was a really long one. That was awful. You were a little rusty. Uh, I'm a little on the rusty side, but I can say Chiss Ascendancy. Chiss Ascendancy. And you can say Miss Ronnie Roto. Miss Ronnie (laughs) Roto. You say it better than Anakin, apparently. Uh, yeah, because he's like, Mithron Yoroda. 
That was one of the better interactions. It in helps the book, with the audiobook to know what it's supposed to sound like. Although it was funny because they were both like kind of going back and forth on the audiobook, and I was listening for the difference. I'm like, it sounds the same, but that's kind of what Anakin was saying too. He's like, I can tell it's a little different, but I can't tell what I'm doing wrong. Yeah, but did you also notice in the audiobook they changed the name of the planet that they were going to? He said it, Mark Thompson said it one way towards the beginning, and then later on he says it a different way. Do you remember oh. what that is called? That's interesting. No, or it's a moon, the moon they go to. Right, yeah. It, so not Batu, but the other the other place they go. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I can't remember off the top of my head the name of the, of the moon, but yeah, I did not we notice. We need to find it. We're reviewing the book. I didn't notice that he, he did he just pronounce it differently. Yeah, okay. he changed the pronunciation. Not, yeah, I mean that happens from time to time. I've noticed in audiobooks they're not always consistent with a pronunciation or even no, a voice. No, that's not sometimes. that's untrue. I have it's, not encountered it at all until it does this book. But I haven't. What is the name of it? <laughs> Somebody tell me. I don't know what the name of it is. Do you want us to look it up? I do. I'm doing it. On. No, I'll find it. Go ahead. I will find it. Aaron. So don't yeah, you worry. but talking about the audiobook, you know, we we typically do either the whole book through audiobook or some of the book uh, through audiobook. So we have both listened to at least some of this book in audio. So we could give our impressions. I think for this book, for whatever reason. Mark Thompson didn't it didn't work as well for me because I think of the mm -hmm. characters he had to do like Vader, Anakin, Padme. Padme he does Thrawn the, perfect. They, I'll give him that. Thrawn was Thrawn's great. Thrawn he does Thrawn perfect. He sounds exactly like Thrawn sounds in Rebels. He it's a spot on imitation. But the other characters that were kind of the main characters, I felt like aren't his strongest characters. Mm -hmm. So even Vader just sounded off and Anakin sounded kind of like a beach bum. <laughs> Padme was way too, you know, we we've always talked about kind of how it's tough for them to do the girl voices, but Padme was kind of still tough. So, yeah, it wasn't my favorite when it comes to audiobooks because of those reasons. Because of the voice. Yeah, it's it's not it's not a Mark Thompson thing. He's wonderful as always. It's just I think it's definitely the the content he had to deal with was a little bit harder for some reason. You know, it's easier for me to read to read books by audiobook because of just like not really having a ton of time to just sit down. But yeah, I would say this one took me a little bit to to get into. I do love his throne though. I absolutely love it. And also I wonder if I wonder if the double vision thing that happens in this book, if it would be less annoying if it wasn't in an audiobook. Oh, definitely. And yeah, from having read a lot of it in just a regular book, it was it wasn't as noticeable in a in a written format than audio. Mm, yeah. So it was definitely I think it worked better in the novel than it worked for an audiobook. But because I listened to enough of it on audio, I was just like, Okay, stop it with this double vision thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's really And so me out. and I know you said like a lot of people said it was fine, like the double vision that it didn't annoy them or anything. Yeah. I've heard both sides. Like I've definitely heard some people that are like, no, I really liked it. It made sense. It kind of, it, it got you into how, like how a Jedi sees things and it was a nice explanation. And then other people that were just like, yeah, that was really annoying, you know, cause it's never been done before. Like I've, we've both read plenty of novels with Jedi in them. And this is the first time this kind of take on how Jedi see things has been done. And this isn't the first book that Zahn has written with Jedi. So it's not like he's ever done this before. So it's kind of like a new technique. I guess he's trying out. I don't know if he'll stick with it. But... I, yeah, I I can never hear Double Vision again, and I will be completely fine. Yeah. And some people kind of compared it to the whole Thrawn, you know, how Thrawn has that inner dialogue that he kind it's of reads people. It's not the same. That's not the same, though. Oh, it's definitely not the same, but it's a similar type of device to show things from Thrawn's perspective, and then you see things from Anakin's perspective where he's doing double vision. So it's kind of you know the you know the other side of that. Um, I actually don't like either. Both both kind of annoy me. So it was kind of like 
I was already having to deal with the Thrawn side of things, and they threw in this double vision thing. I was like, oh my goodness, please don't. But I noticed that Thrawn didn't do it as much. He didn't do the reading people thing nearly as much in this novel as he did in the first Thrawn novel. Yeah, I actually liked it, but yeah, I don't know. Okay, so the the moon's name is Mokivja or whatever. Mokivja, yes. Yeah, but he, they say it two different ways. So in the audiobook, it started off as Mokivja, and then or it started off as Mokivja, and then it turned into Mokivja, and I was like, what? <laughs> what? You know how many hours poor Mark is in that, you know, studio, reading this book. I know, I know. I'm just we saying. We gotta give him a pass. Also, as somebody, as somebody who doesn't know how most of these words are spelled, because I do the audiobook, I didn't know that it was spelled the way that it was spelled. I just found it. It's M O K I V J. <laughs> I would be like. Mokiv. Wow, the last letter is J. I would just say Mokiv, like Mokiv. like a silent J. Yeah. Mokiv J. <laughs> <laughs> that is interesting that's funny yeah so double vision i don't um i can never have to hear it again and it'd be fine blaster yes. bolt to head to chest to leg to brain <laughs> and we got to see anakin do it we got and we got to see vader do it at the end yeah, like, like, yeah and like vision. vader's double vision blaster bolt to head to leg <laughs> well he was doing it like the navigation right on the the as he's navigating the ship Oh, I so don't he's remember. Like, yeah, he's trying to avoid. He's basically trying to do what the th the Chiss children were meant to do. The Force using Chiss children, which we're mm -hmm. like jumping all the way to the end of the book now. But yeah, he was doing the double vision so he could navigate through and not hit any black holes or stars. He does double vision a couple of times uh, with just with blaster bolts and stuff when he's fighting. Oh, did he? Okay. Yeah, he I forget. did. He did yeah. it a couple of times. It's um, been long enough yeah. since I read it. Most of the time, it was Anakin going. Double vision. Double vision. Blast bolt to brain. To head. To chest. To leg. No, that's Padme's voice. Oh, sorry. Whatever. Anyway, I can't do it. Double vision. Anakin had much more of a dude bro voice. Triple vision. Double vision. Triple vision. Maybe that's what happens when you wear glasses. Well, the other the other thing, too, with the audiobook, and I promise we're not going to just talk about the audiobook. We're going to talk about the rest yeah. of it. but. The other thing about the audiobook is the characters, especially when it's Thrawn Vader together. Oh, yeah. I mean, those guys both have pretty droning, low-pitched voices, you know? Mm -hmm. So it starts to get a little, like, you start to get kind of sleepy. Sleepy. Because like, Thrawn's got this, like, real, you know, you know, like that kind of voice. <laughs> and you're, like, already falling asleep, and then Vader comes in. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like... <laughs> Once again, not as good of a presentation in an audio format than if you were just reading the book, it wouldn't have been a problem. So, <laughs> we love you, Mark Thompson. We're really—it's not about you at all. It's just it's all in fun. It's all in fun. It's just—it's some, sometimes characters are hard. We get it. I can't yeah. do it. I mean, not like seriously. The audiobook is wonderful. The producers on it are wonderful. The sound, the music, all that stuff. Mark Thompson is great. We can't read audiobooks for sure. I mean, did you just hear me read our publisher summary? It was terrible. <laughs> just as a listener, it was a little on the tough side. That's so one of the cooler scenes for me in the book was the beginning, like the opening scene with with the Emperor, Thrawn, and Vader. Yeah, that was very cool. It was kind of cool was... to see those three talking in the same room and almost looking at them as this triumvirate-type leadership of yeah, the Empire. But at the same time, you're kind of like, well, you're like, where's Tarkin? Exactly. Yes, I thought the same you know? thing. I'm glad you said that. Because I, that's exactly what I thought. I was like, wait, but where's Tarkin? Like, Tarkin's probably not going to be happy if he found out they were having this meeting without him. He's going to be mad. But He's going to take his Death Star on you, even though it's not finished yet. The way that, yeah, the way that uh, Zahn wrote this, you would think, okay, these are the three most important people in the Empire. But then if, like, James Lucino writes a book, it's Tarkin, you know? So it's kind of like these authors have their favorite characters that they really, you know, want to promote. And so, um, yeah, it is yeah, interesting. Yeah, but this, this book is called Thrawn Alliances. Yeah, of course. And Lucino's book is called Tarkin. So with all that said. But the way that, <laughs> yes, in reading Tarkin, Tarkin very explicitly kind of points out that there are, like, the three heads of the Empire are Tarkin, Vader, and uh, the yeah, but when, but when Tarkin came out, we didn't know that Thrawn was alive or oh, that he was a character. 
So, like, so uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, whereas Timothy Zahn could have, <laughs> Timothy Zahn could have referenced Tarkin, but he purposely kind of left it out and was like, ah, you know, I'm gonna have to have Thrawn be this, you know, kind of the third guy here. So he talks about Tarkin a few times. Yeah, he he got a couple nods. They talk about it in relationship to Star Wars Rebels and yeah. the stuff that happens in Rebels. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that's that scene kind of sets up the whole mission because the Emperor is like, oh, I have this, I feel it's disturbance, and you guys need to go figure it out, and I need you guys to team up on it. Which they were like, nah, we don't really want to team up, but he didn't give him a choice. Although I think Thrawn, like talking about the dynamic between Vader and Thrawn, I love the fact that Thrawn knows who Vader is. Like he doesn't know so? for sure. He doesn't yeah. know for sure. But by the end of the book, he makes a comment and he totally knows. Oh, he knows exactly who he is. It's hilarious. He makes a few comments. You're right through at, toward the end where you're just like, yeah, he's figured it out. But then I think. There was something, I forget what the dialogue was between him and Vader kind of at the very end where there was enough doubt thrown. And actually, this is something that Zahn did refer to in one of his panels at DragonCon because somebody had asked if if Vader or if Thrawn knew. And Zahn kind of left it out there like he, he was definitely figuring it out, but then there was enough doubt cast on it that I don't think he's all the way there yet. So it was kind of interesting that Maybe Thrawn started to second guess his his intuition on that one. I think that's false. I think he knows. <laughs> it's the writer, Teresa. The writer. I don't care. <laughs> I don't. No, uh, I actually agree with you. I the whole time I, I was thinking, knows. oh, he knows. Yeah. He totally knows. Thrawn's too intelligent to not know. Yeah. He knows. But you know, I actually enjoyed Anakin and Thrawn more than I enjoyed Vader and Thrawn together. Vader and Thrawn together, I just felt like. Like, I don't really know how else to say this in in, in a nice way, so I'm just going to say it. Vader and Thrawn just felt like two guys trying to compete for, like, whose junk is bigger. You know? It did. It did. And because they're both like, I'm powerful. I'm in charge. No, no, no. Like comparing blaster sizes. Yeah. Yeah. Blaster sizes. Whose blaster is bigger? But Anakin and Thrawn, their dynamic was much more fun. Mm-hmm. And they worked together to an extent, you know, and you got a little bit of Anakin's cockiness, but he also was like kind of humble, you know, and was willing to listen. And I don't know, there was something different in the Anakin Thrawn dynamic, which I think is really cool that he could write Vader and Thrawn and Anakin and Thrawn and those two, two people being essentially the same people, yeah. but very different, which I really like that. Yeah, and Zana actually talked about that as well because somebody had asked if he saw Anakin and Vader as two separate characters, and he said he very much treats them like completely different characters, completely individual characters. Uh, and you can tell that in the writing. I agree with you. I, I enjoyed the Anakin Thrawn stuff way more than Vader Thrawn. Um, I feel like with the Anakin Thrawn relationship, Anakin quickly realized that he was not a match for Thrawn intellectually. At first, I think he was kind of thinking maybe I can go toe-to-toe with this guy, and he quickly realized, okay, yeah, this guy's got – he's way smarter than me, so I need to kind of follow his plan, even though he he would still be stubborn about certain things, and that's in Anakin's personality. Um, whereas Vader and Thrawn – it was almost like Vader was like one inch away from killing Thrawn at, very, <laughs> at a lot of spots, you know, where he was just like, I don't like the fact this guy's one up in me, so I should just choke him out. Yeah. Yeah. You know, plus in the the Anakin Thrawn dynamic, you also have a little bit of R2 sass. Mm-hmm. You know, which is kind of fun. And then once Padme gets into the mix, it's kind of even more cool. Yeah. I don't know. There's something there's something fun about Padme and Anakin. It it reminds me of the Clone Wars TV yeah. show, you know, That's which exactly... I I miss Clone Wars with the Anakin Thrawn, Anakin Thrawn. He's not in Clone Wars. Uh, Anakin Padme uh, banter is fun. Yeah, that's exactly what I was gonna say. It felt very much like a Clone Wars episode. Yeah. And so I was almost imagining Anakin as kind of animated Matt Lanter the entire time. Yeah. As opposed to you know Hayden Christensen. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can totally see that. 
definitely. definitely Padme. I saw her as animated the whole time too. Now that I'm thinking I about did it, too. Like, oh, yeah, I guess I was visualizing them as animated, and and that's how we know Thrawn too from Rebels. So it yeah, almost, this like, whole was... book could be an animated movie. Yes. <laughs> you know, but it's funny. It's funny how much the animated shows are ingrained in us to where when we visualize, we're not going to movie versions. We're immediately going to to uh, the animated versions. And maybe it's because of the timeline where this is because it's per- fits in perfect with the timeline of the animation. But I just think that's a credit to Dave Filoni and his crew that these characters are now animated. Yeah. Yeah, for me, a lot, a lot of times it depends on the character, it depends on the setting, and depending on where it feels like it would fit naturally is where I kind of imagine it in my head. Because some of these, obviously, like we've seen Obi-Wan animated and live action kind of around the same age. Um, you know, now there's other characters like that too. But sometimes I imagine Obi-Wan animated, sometimes I imagine him as Ewan, Ewan McGregor. So it just depends. No Alec Guinness? I mean, there hasn't been a lot of novels where he would be Alec Guinness. That's true. <laughs> oh, hey, totally off on a tangent, not about this book, but it is about Star Wars. A friend of mine at work just watched Solo for the first time. Mm-hmm. And he said, okay, this whole Darth Maul thing, this is completely messing up the entire timeline. And I'm like, no, it's not. He goes, what do you mean? And he was like, Darth Maul's a lie. So this has to take place. That means like when Han in A New Hope is like 60 or something. And I'm like, no. Oh, my gosh. ESPN just came alive. Uh, I'm like, no. And I was like, well, Darth Maul lives. And he's like, after getting cut in half? I'm like, yeah, you haven't seen the Clone Wars or Rebels. He lives. And he was like, oh, wait, what? And I had to have this whole conversation about the timeline and Maul and you know where everything fits and he was like oh that makes so much more sense he's like i just didn't know i was like hey exactly what we had said would happen happened yeah that's yeah that's kind of what i expected a lot of people would would say but yeah yeah, i I just think it's funny that we discussed that and and then it it did happen came to life yeah so it's been an interesting experiment in star wars movies i think i think we still haven't seen kind of the repercussions from it all but no anyway so yeah. we were just talking about animation it made me think about that <laughs> so while we're talking about animation there were quite a few references to rebels yes on the fall and when he um on adult is it no it was on adult i guess yeah when he doesn't capture the rebels when thrawn fails to capture the rebels and they talk about stardust and they talk because they did mention that and they talk about the TIE Defender program. And I just thought it was really cool. Again, we've talked about this before, all the tie-ins and how it seamlessly flows. They even awesome. mentioned Bendu. They mentioned Well, Kanan. yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah, because at this time when they're talking about disturbances in the Force, these these other Force users are still out there and, and these characters are well aware of them. So it's it's interesting to see, you know, kind of Vader and Thrawn talking about you know, Kane and Jarrus are talking about, you know, Bendu and maybe this disturbance the Emperor's feeling is one of them. And the Emperor's like, no, it's not. I would know if it was Kanan, you know, that kind of thing. And you're like, oh, wow, the, the Emperor is talking about Kanan. This is kind of cool. It is cool. Yeah. It for sure is. So Padme, we had, we had kind of mentioned her in relation to hanging out with Anakin and the banter and kind of reminded us of Clone Wars. But how did you feel? Because I know you're, you're a big Padme fan. Mm-hmm. I'm not so much, and I know you were. T- we were talking about you. Ex- you're being. You're pretty excited about the the new Padme novel that they they announced and stuff. So how did you feel? Padme was represented. You know, kind of. I would say this is probably the biggest starring role, quote unquote, that she's had in a novel. How do you think she did? I liked it. I mean, I liked her character. Again, you know, I'm, I have to separate it from the audiobook representation of her, you know, just in voice. But overall, as far as the way she was written, I liked her. However, she still had a very damsel in distress vibe to her, which I did not really enjoy. Um, I wish she would have been a little bit more competent on her own. 
probably my favorite part is when she first gets to Batu and she's in the cantina and sort of figuring stuff out for herself, you know. Uh, but once she gets to like Mokivja, it kind of turns into this weird situation. Um, I don't know. I don't know, but I mean, I still, I still liked having her there. I liked being able to get a story that involved her, but I don't know if it was her strongest representation. Yeah, I was kind of bummed that her handmaiden that had gone ahead, that we didn't get something with her. I, I thought it would have been interesting if maybe they had found her and she was still alive and there could have been some, you know, her and Padme kind of hanging out for a little bit before Anakin and Thrawn showed up. Um, it might have been interesting to add a new character into the mix. And I know uh, a lot of people are clamoring for more information about Padme's handmaidens because they're, you know, supposed to be these kind of badass assassin bodyguard types. So I was kind of like bummed when they were just like, oh, yeah, she's dead. I was like, oh, we didn't really get to hear more about her. Mm hmm. Yeah, that does kind of stink. Because yeah. um, she. She seemed like a cool character, and I also feel like there, I don't know, I feel like there was more that could have been done with the story there for there to have, like, two really cool females interacting with each other. I don't know why, I don't think she really had to die. Yeah, right. You know? Yeah, like, why not have her actually be a part of the story? It's not like there were a ton of characters um, that they had to, to worry about focusing on. It was kind of two-man show really mm -hmm. so yeah maybe missed opportunity there but it was cool to see them go to Batu and to go to black spire because you know there's a connection there obviously to star wars galaxy's edge that's going to be opening up at disneyland and disney world next year mm -hmm. and so to tie that in it's you know obviously they can tie in you know the books and the comics and the novels but to actually tie in a piece of an amusement park because like really that's like next level world building <laughs> right so that that's kind of cool um it'll definitely make me like once i actually go to galaxy's edge i kind of want to read this part of the book again right before just to see if i can like spot things that they're talking about or things that might uh, be on the map yeah you know it'll be that will be interesting to to figure out how the theme park ties into some of the things that we're getting in these different, you know, in the different books and if anything else shows up between now and then. Right. Yeah. Cause you would think maybe there'd be a little bit, some more intentional tie-ins before the opening of the park or that part of the park. Mm -hmm. And maybe things that we haven't even realized have been referencing it, you know, <laughs> Amy. and then you kind of look back and be like, Oh, that was a reference to this thing or that character. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's kind of cool. Um, so there was kind of Anakin and, and Thrawn's storyline had the thing that they were really kind of going after that I don't think they even realized. Um, the Emperor was kind of messing with them. Like, he already knew what was causing the, the disturbance. The Force-sensitive yeah, kids? So, like Vader, yeah. I think I said Anakin. I meant Vader and Thrawn. Um, right. So that he had that thing that they were going after. And then on the Anakin Thrawn side, kind of the end of that was the whole cortosis droids that they ended up finding and the whole factory. That's so weird. Which I, I don't know. How familiar are you with the, the cortosis stuff? Cause I know that was a big deal in like legends, but I don't know. I know you, I mean, I've heard the legends, term so. before, but like, I don't, I don't know probably as much about cortosis as some of our listeners do or you or okay um yeah so it was it was kind of cool that they tied that in because that was like a legends thing it's basically this like ore, this metal that you know will if a lightsaber hits it it shuts the lightsaber off so it's lightsaber resistant and they use that a lot in legends so um for them i know they had mentioned it in canon but they i think i forget where exactly they mentioned it before this but this was the first time they've actually shown it used in a way that it worked the same way we saw in Legends. Mm. It was kind of a kind of a big deal to add that in. Um, but ultimately, I was a little underwhelmed by the kind of that reveal because I was just like, okay, there's droids that they have to figure out a different way to kill them, um, you know, and I guess try to destroy the factory, but also ruin 
all these people's jobs. You know, it was kind of this weird that I did not part love. <laughs> like the fact that they they basically ruined this entire planet, and that Anakin had. They they do reference it like the moment when he kills all of the Tuscan Raiders, mm. all the kids and everybody, and uh, and he has another moment like that where he just doesn't care. And I think I don't know I don't know if that moment is necessary because we get that moment with Anakin. We don't need to have five moments like that. We know that he's capable of that. Or he is when he's not can't control his emotions. I don't know. I kind of had a small issue with that particular thing, but I yeah, guess it, it's it was not showing that kind of the the difference in Anakin and Padme and how they go about things. And Anakin's definitely not as concerned with the effects that the war is having on other people than as much as Padme is. So there was kind well, of that back of and forth. I mean, where... but, yeah, but we already know all that. Yeah, it's. You're right. We we do already know that, but it was it was kind of it was a interesting dynamic to see between them because a lot of times we don't see Anakin and Padme having that type of a discussion. Mm. You know, at yeah, this true. point in their true. relationship. So, cuz now they're already married. It's not like you know, she's kind of just it's not like they're rolling around in, on Naboo. <laughs> oh my god. Talking about aggressive negotiations or whatever. <laughs> no wait, first that of was all on, they weren't that on, was the on they, were, yeah. <laughs> they were on geonosis with that conversation you know the prequels better than i do i do this was but there was were, like a conversation the and there are those big tick monsters yeah there, there was a conversation on naboo where they were kind of rolling around in the in the, in the whatever, grass in the grass yeah with the big giant tick monster things and they were kind of talking back and forth about their differences and kind of their outlook on you know if you on politics and when she talks about her yeah. first boyfriend. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, they don't have a very healthy relationship. I, you know. <laughs> You're just <laughs> discovering that Padme. now. No, <laughs> no. I've, I've thought about it a lot, but it's just like you kind of feel bad for Padme because you're just like, oh, you know, like he was he was a nice guy, good looking guy. You get it. I get it. I get why you're into him. But, you know, there were some you red flags. Feel, you can't feel bad for her. You know, there the girl made flags. a choice. She made a choice. <laughs> she paid the price with her life. Yeah, I mean, when it comes when it comes to Padme, she's one of those characters that I know a lot of people love her. And I do. I do. Love her, I absolutely adore her. She's and I respect my that. I respect that you love her, and a lot of people do. But I, she hasn't done anything yet for me. Like, there's nothing that she's done that I've been like, oh, that's awesome, or like, I really like that character now. Um, it's probably like the way a lot of people feel about Boba Fett. It's like, why do you like Boba Fett so much? He hasn't, he never really did anything. It's like, you like the potential of the character more than actually what the character's done. And you don't necessarily like the way the character was written, but you're like, well, if they wrote him this way, it would have been a lot cooler. And I think I was that's... going to say that about Luke. And then I was like, wait, yeah, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to be a jerk. Uh, no, Padme's done a lot of stuff. I'm not gonna get into it with you. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Yeah, you, you know, I mean, whatever, whatever. But you know, anyone I, could debate it with me, and I would awesome. totally be fine like having that discussion. I'm not. I'm not trying to like be really down on her character. I'm just saying, for me as a fan, I haven't had a moment yet where I'm just like, oh, I really love that character, and this book still didn't get me there. Yeah, but you know what? Leia would not exist without Padme. So there. So ha or Luke. Ha Good job. ha. Good job. So yeah, I, I guess I'm just saying as a fan, like. For me, I was kind of hoping when I heard Padme was going to be in this book and there was going to be a lot more focus on her, I was like, okay, maybe this will be the story that gets me like more into this character. And it just – it still didn't get me there. You know um, what will? You know what will? The next book? The next Padme novel. Okay. Yeah, that one. That one will. Maybe. I'm going to read it. I'm definitely going to read it. So well, you we'll will see. because it's for the show. Yes. <laughs> you don't have a choice. Well, a couple other things that yeah. kind of came up. Yeah. <laughs> a couple other things that came up in this where we had the four sensitive Chiss girls, which was interesting, kind of an interesting reveal. Yeah, that was a little interesting, a little strange too. Just yeah. kind of, it was one of those, okay, cool. I'm like, I wasn't attached to it or anything. It was just, okay. We learned a little bit about the culture and of I the did Chiss, like that. Chiss ascendancy, which is cool to, to, get that reveal because we really don't know much about them there's some stuff in legends and you can maybe assume that some of that stuff would carry over but really we don't know a lot about 
uh, where Thrawn comes from. So to get this reveal about this part of their culture where they have these these children that are force sensitive and very strong strongly force sensitive as children and then as they grow up it kind of goes away and mm-hmm. it usually only presents itself in girls um so that was kind of interesting and i i know that some people were hypothesizing that thrawn maybe was force sensitive See, that's what i was thinking that's what i was thinking too i actually thought that a few times then i was like well if he was they definitely would have mentioned it yeah and that's and that's something that zon cleared up as well and actually i didn't i didn't hear him say this specifically at dragon con but i saw an interview that um alex damon from star wars explained did with him and he specifically asked this question because alex did a whole video on where he thought maybe thrawn could possibly have been force sensitive and then uh, he asked Zahn about it. And Zahn kind of was just like, he was just like, that wasn't my intention, you know, but there's no reason why that couldn't be true, you know, if it if it presents itself as like an interesting point to add later on. But he said that wasn't his intention when he wrote it. Yeah, so, so then I would go with for now that he's not. He never was, yes. Yeah, and that would be a little too kind of like, you know, every, you know not everybody's got to be, you know, just because he's really super Thrawn, I think, is cooler not being force sensitive he just is thrawn he just has this thing about him that makes him an interesting character i think if you i think if you make it to where it's because he's force sensitive or was force sensitive it almost makes it less awesome yeah i agree and it wouldn't really make a lot of sense either when he was for when he was faced with uh bendu no, no, it wouldn't make sense at all. And he kind of was like, whoa, like, because he, he was, you know, so in control of so many different situations. And then suddenly he was faced with this, like, force entity that he just did not know how to handle. Mm-hmm. And he even says something about, something about, like, force witchcraft. Or I don't know what word he uses to describe it. But it was almost like somebody that had never really had to deal with the force before. Mm-hmm. And if he had previously had force sensitivity, I don't think he would have had that reaction to, uh, to Bendu. So. No, I agree. It wouldn't fit would not fit so i'm look. i hope we find out more i think zon the way he talks about it is he's got a lot more in his head as far as thrawn's story and that as long as disney and del rey let him he will continue to write books about it so i think this it almost makes sense especially where this book ended and there's a lot Mm -hmm. of unanswered questions that there would be a third book and who knows where in the timeline it would be set but to almost make it like a you know, a three book thing, kind of like the, the old Thrawn trilogy. Now you have the new Thrawn trilogy. So I, I fully expect there to be another book that maybe reveals a little bit more about the Chiss ascendancy and, and all of that stuff and their connection with this other, this group, like the Grisk and the civil war that's going on out there and all that. There's way more to be revealed. Yeah. And you know, I hope if they do though, I hope they bring um, Eli Vanto back. Yes. I think that Thrawn needs Eli Vanto. Uh, I, you know, the, 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 oh, what is her name? The one that is kind of another core character in this book, Commander something. Faro uh, or Pharaoh or something like that? Pharaoh, something yeah. like that. She's okay, but I would prefer Eli Vanto. Uh, his character is just so awesome, and I think that he deserves more time, you know? Yeah, I missed Eli in this book because Eli was kind of the the homes to Thrawn Sherlock. Yes. He played really well off of him. And he was actually one of my favorite parts of the first Thrawn book. Oh, I agree. The fact that he was completely gone in this book was like, oh, that sucks. I mean, it makes sense because of the story they were telling. It would have been kind of weird for him to be there. Mm -hmm. But I'm hoping that the next book um, definitely brings him back. And I I think I'm pretty sure Zahn did say something about kind of what Eli was up to. And that he definitely, there was more story to tell there as well. So, yeah, we'll see him again. I hope so. I really do. So, overall, how did you feel about this book? And I I would say, like, maybe compare it to the first Thrawn book as far as your thoughts. Yeah. Overall, I mean, there were definitely elements I enjoyed. I like to see some of these characters interact the whole opening sequence with the Emperor and Vader and Thrawn, I thought was awesome. The, you know, the fact that they went to Batuu and all of that. 
and just the interaction. And when you have these hugely powerful characters like Thrawn and Vader and Anakin, just to see them interact at all is cool to read about. Um, so those are kind of the positives for me. And then just the world building and um, the potential with stories with the Chiss and this Chiss ascendancy and the reveal of these four sensitive girls. And so there's a lot of potential and a lot of cool little like things that were dropped in this book that I did enjoy. But overall, it wasn't one of my favorite of the new novels. Um, and I think part of that's just down to the fact that I'm not a huge fan of Thrawn, um, especially as he's written. I really like him more in Rebels and in the Legends than I do in these new novels. Um, his personality has changed enough that it's just, it's not the same character to me. Mm-hmm. And then Vader, I've never been a huge fan of either. So like all of the parts with Thrawn and Vader, I was just kind of like, okay, I want to get past this so I can get back to Anakin Vader. Um, so it was, it was a good read, but it, it wasn't one of my favorites. Yeah. So for me, I would agree with the positives. There's, there's some really good world building. Uh, I do really like Thrawn. I am a Thrawn fan, even in the written. So that's one place that we do differ. So I really do enjoy stories with Thrawn. However, I was the same way about the Vader Thrawn stuff. I really would have just preferred it be a book about Anakin and Thrawn. Um, They could have gotten rid of the whole entire timeline of Vader and Thrawn, and I would have been perfectly fine with it. Uh, You know, it just, there was something about that that, it just didn't capture me. I was bored most of the time during those sections, but it was okay. I mean, it's not, it was not as good as the first Thrawn book, in my opinion. Uh, Double Vision annoyed the crap out of me, uh, but it's not the worst of the new canon, but it's not, you know, like in the top eight, ten. Kind of or do we have that many? Yeah, it's just kind of a middle of the road one. Yeah, we haven't done like an overall ranking in a while. Maybe we'll do one of those again, just to kind of mm-hmm. see where we're at. We've at, there's yeah, been a lot of books added since. Definitely, yeah. It's it's this was definitely a middle of the road for me. It wasn't fantastic. It wasn't bad. It was just right there in the middle. But enough good stuff in there that we'll probably yeah. Back to it. And and especially if there's a third book, I think there's yeah. there's a lot of potential. It's Sometimes it happens where the one in the middle is kind of like a lull, and then the ones on either side are really good. Yeah. You know? So Zahn I, could have been, it's entirely possible. Yeah. Zahn could have been setting us up for, you know, big story stuff that's happening later. You know, there was that kind of mystery ship that showed up at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, there were some hints to there being more going on. So I think, yeah, there's definitely more to tell, and, and maybe he's saving some of those big, kind of big reveals, big events for that next book. So. Well, and I'm fine with that. And again, I like reading. I, you know, I like the way that Thrawn or that Zahn writes. I, you know, I do enjoy that. I, and I love the character of Thrawn. It just this one didn't, didn't hit me in the feels the same way that the first one did. I don't think. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we good to uh, end the show then? I think we are. I think we are. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening to this. This is episode, I think we're at 84, 94. 94? Episode Whoa, 94. you just set us back to an episode. Yeah. <laughs> so we're inching closer to 100 episodes. Um, definitely thank everybody for listening and supporting us all this time as we get closer to our 100th episode. Uh, if you want to find us on Twitter, you can find us at SWBookworms. Email StarWarsBookworms at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash StarWarsBookworms. We also have our Facebook group. Um if anybody wants to jump in there into some of the book discussions going on. Mm-hmm. You can find us on iTunes and if you find, or whatever you're listening to us on actually, uh, and leave us a review. Five star reviews are awesome. They help people find us on Twitter and Instagram. I am at ice cold penguin and Aaron is at AV Goins. So until next time, keep on reading and may the force be with you. <laughs> <laughs>